Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Thanksgiving week is upon us. That's right. Get on your feet. It's the holiday. <laughs> the holiday season is here, and as such, we will not be covering the Real Housewives on today's episode of Everything Iconic. However, we do have a very special guest, Anthony Porowski, who you know from Queer Eye on Netflix. He's also the host of a new show on Netflix called Easy Bake Battle, which is a fantastic holiday binge that you can watch with the kids, the parents, the grandparents, all ages entertainment. Now, Anthony stopped by right before he actually got engaged. So it was newly announced that he got engaged to his longtime beau, Kevin Harrington. Now, Anthony and I do get into some Bravo stuff because Anthony's a Bravo junkie. He went to BravoCon. I asked him about that experience. And we also talk about the Vanderpump rules of it all and so many other things in the Bravo universe. And because this is Thanksgiving week, I also got his take on lots of Thanksgiving information because he's the food expert on Queer Eye. So I had to get his take on side dishes and desserts, and we talk about all the food stuff. So this is a little bit of an Everything Iconic Thanksgiving special, and I hope you all enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking to Anthony. We will be back later next week with recaps of The Housewives, but for now, I want to bid you adieu, and I want to say that I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday with family, friends, or if you're celebrating alone, I am sending my love to you. And yeah, Eat some good food, watch some good TV. White Lotus Season 2 is fantastic on HBO. If you haven't watched that, I highly recommend it. Also, if you want a good book to read, Kelly Ripa's Livewire is a fantastic read if you're into the pop culture of it all. I also want to encourage you to get my book. It's called How Do I Remember This? You can get it wherever books are sold, currently $12.99 on Amazon, or you can get a signed copy from everythingiconic.store. I want to let you know to find me on social media. As long as it's still around, it looks like Twitter's going under. Who knows what's happening there with the Twitter? As it stands, as this recording, Twitter's still around. So find me on uh, all of the platforms at at Danny Pellegrino. I will try to put this episode up on the YouTube channel as well. So if you want to watch this interview with Anthony, you can go to youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. I also ask Anthony, he's got a little role in this movie, Spoiler Alert, which is a book by Michael Ossiello. And if you haven't read that book, it's another great book if you're looking for something, although that's a weepy book. It's a sad, weepy, beautiful book, but it's called Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies. And the movie version is out sometime in December. Anyway, uh, with all that said, please enjoy my chat with Anthony Porowski. Thank you to ACAST. And we'll be back the week after Thanksgiving, the Monday after Thanksgiving. I have a great interview lined up for you all with a truly dream guest of mine. And then after that, we'll get back into the Housewife recap. So don't fret, little bear. We'll be back as soon as we can. But it's the holiday season. That's right. Get on your feet. It's the holiday so we're keeping up as much as we can with Bravo, but I don't even know if Bravo's off this week. It's uh, Thanksgiving week. I'm assuming our shows are off, aren't they? Anyway, I love you all. Happy Thanksgiving. Please enjoy my chat with Anthony. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, 
It's finally happening. Anthony, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Danny? I'm excited to chat with you. I know you're a Bravo junkie, so I'm excited to get your take on all of it. I watched you on Watch What Happens Live, and you were at BravoCon. <laughs> Tell me about your BravoCon experience. I was. Tell me about it. Okay, so I'm going to compare. So it's my second BravoCon. I have become a Housewives super fan since um, actually I met my partner, Kev, who's uh, he's obsessed with all things Housewives and every single franchise. We're actually rewatching Jersey from season one. Oh, I mean, that have is you seen it before? Bad. You've seen Jersey before? No, <gasps> what? I've seen Jersey, but like the current ones. But I didn't see like the Danielle Staub and, um, you know, the Hells Angels showing up to the fundraiser for the child who has cancer. <laughs> like, that's just, you can't make that up. Right. The christening anyway, episode I, to me is like one of the greatest things ever. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Okay, but I digress. Back to BravoCon. Yeah. Um, also, I have severe ADD, so I apologize. I always try to come back full circle. Um, so the first BravoCon I went to, um, it was the first BravoCon that was held. And it was at all these different venues in the in New York. And so we kind of got to like putz around and we met the Trace Amigas and went for like different panels. But this year it was at the Javits Center, which is home to where I got my first um, COVID vaccine right when it came out. And also the Meet the Breeds for the American Kennel Club and now BravoCon. <laughs> and it was it was so wacky. I mean, like the energy and like the fandom, I've never seen anything like it. Every single one of these personalities had their own booth up and people were drinking and like rushing. And then as soon as like a housewife or any type of like Bravo liberty would show up, there would be like screams. It's like Harry Styles kept on showing up in like random little pockets. Um, and they would just like run like crazy. It was absolutely bonkers, but wildly entertaining. Yeah, I was so upset. I had a wedding that weekend and I was at the first one, which was so incredible to see the the fan base. And it is a very intense fan base. Uh, but I felt so much FOMO that weekend because I had to miss it for a wedding. And so I was just looking online and scrolling on social media. And there was the first day seemed like a clusterfuck, but then it seemed like they got it together. And, and some of the mm -hmm. panels were wild. I think you were talking with Andy about the Salt Lake City panel. And I just saw some clips from it, but it did feel like chaotic and the show is chaotic which i'm gonna, we're going to talk about salt lake city but what was yes what was the panel like okay so we saw bravo bravo fucking bravo which was like a mix of different personalities and we went to see um vanderpump because my partner's um sister-in-law is a huge fan and he's a fan and we're good friends with katie maloney who we love and um and then we did salt lake which karamo um, moderated. I'm not just saying this because he's my castmate and my friend and I love him, but I think he did a really good job at just kind of like keeping his composure and trying to like go for like solution driven approach of like, because the fact that Heather Gay and Whitney Rose sat on opposite ends of the couch felt like, I don't know, it felt like my, it, it was like I was reliving my parents' divorce again. Like I love those two together and they're such good friends and I really hope that they figure out. But this was also, the ladies first bravo con and so it was really it was really like a reunion it was super heated um a lot of tension and it was just like very stressful to watch i felt like that sometimes i was just like i feel like we should all leave the room and like let them just kind of like talk it out but at the same time i just couldn't help myself it was like staring at an eclipse you know well, it's also funny because there's a whole audience element at bravo con for those panels that 
the reunions, I think luckily they're able to be edited and there's not the cheering and we're cheering at home, but at right. that, it's like, then there has to be pauses and, and you have to just try to get the audience to calm down a minute to get points across. Totally. And the, the booze and the yays for every, like, it's just, it escalates so quickly. Yeah. Did you see the Lisa Renna booing? It was like, all no, Andy, I guess at the Beverly Hills. Andy asked me about that. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't kind of there for that, unfortunately, but um, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Salt Lake City because you're, oh, you said you were a Whitney Wild Rose fan and I am having trouble figuring out what Whitney's doing this season. And I love her, but okay. I don't understand the Heather Gay of it all. Like I, I'm feeling confused. And I also don't think Lisa Barla likes uh, Whitney at all, but they've decided that they want to be friends this season. And I think they ultimately hate each other. I think you kind of, I, I, I won't speak for them, but just from what I see and how they've interacted in the past, I feel like alliances always need to be formed. And at every reunion or Bravo con, there's always like a separation, right? Of like the left side and the right side. And you kind of have to like take what you can get. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you're going to like summer camp and you can't meet a best friend, but you're like, we both love GI Joes. So like, let's become friends, but other parts about you, I might not be really crazy about. They'll implode soon. I mean, they always do. Salt Lake, <laughs> the, the interesting thing to me about Salt Lake City is that uh, you can't predict any of it because I, I study these shows, of course, on the show. And uh-huh. I think um, on some of the other franchises, you know, on Jersey, for instance, you're watching Jersey in the current seasons. There's a very clear divide between the women. And you sort of can understand if Margaret's feuding with Teresa, then you know that uh-huh. Jackie is going to be siding with Margaret. Melissa is going to be siding with Margaret. and Jennifer siding with Teresa, but on Salt Lake City, it's like they will change on a dime with each other, and it's it keeps you on your toes, and that's what I love so much about it. Totally, totally pure chaos. What did you think of Beverly Hills this season? Okay, so it's so interesting to me because it's like you have some of these these characters, like they come on and they have such a strong first season, and then something crazy happens the following, and then I'm like, wait, like this this kind of like puts everything that I thought I knew and believed in kind of like on the plank, Kathy Hilton blew my fricking mind her first season. And then the second season, all this stuff goes down. And whenever I openly express that I'm a, a, a Kathy fan, still people are like, yeah, well, what about this? And what about that? And I'm like, Oh, like that's actually really problematic. Like, am I on the wrong side of things? And then I start questioning myself and that's what keeps me coming back. Cause then I'm like, okay, I want to see what she's going to be like on the next episode. I, uh, I don't can know. Can I tell I you just, something, Anthony? I yeah. think that's okay for us as fans to flip, you know, in different ways and to question ourselves, because I believe that that's how the shows are meant to be digested. I think that's how they're edited. They want to take us on this roller coaster ride so that we question our own allegiances. We question who. So I believe that's the best way to ingest these shows is to not be totally, uh, totally standing one person forever and ever. I think it's good for right. kind of, we, we look at it differently every episode. Okay. Well, can I ask you a question? Please. Okay. So, you know, you have your political views. That's one end of it. And then there are these characters on all of these housewives shows. And some of them are so wildly entertaining. But then when people bring information to me and it's sort of like, 
you realize that they're actually like really problematic, is it okay to still stand them? What's your opinion on that? Look, do you I, separate? Are you able to separate it, or do you have to take that under consideration? Because that's what that's what really makes me torn. Look, I get it, and I think so many people in the Bravo fan base feel similarly. And I think the it's sort of a case by case basis. And I think that I feel similarly about that. It's like, aren't we just watching a TV show? So, and, and isn't sort of the price of admission for a reality show that all these people are monsters, but then also you don't want to support and you, you, you know, that you're, you, you know, that you're helping support these monsters in a lot of ways. Right. Yes. I don't yeah. know. So Anthony, you're, what you're saying know. is that we should, so we should just, we should trust Andy and Bravo that they're just going to do the right thing. And, but then also, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I also need my escape. I know. (laughs) I also think we need our escape. And so these shows are important. And I think you have to be looking at them through a critical lens. Like, I don't know that I need it. There was just, we just had election week and people were talking about Dorit's uh, politics because she had posted something on her Instagram about who to vote for. And I just also kind of thought, well, we shouldn't be relying on Dorit to give us any sort of political information. Fair point. I don't, know. I don't know. <laughs> Anthony, uh, you mentioned VPR. Are you excited about VPR? I love Katie Maloney too. And I am really excited for her to come into her own. I wish that Bravo would invest more in the women on some of these franchises than they do the men. And I see, like, I love the Toms and them showing up on Winter House was great. But I'm like, let's get Ariana and Katie in Winter House. But it often seems yes. like it's Southern Charm or with Vanderpump Rules. It's like we're investing in Austin and Craig and, and I don't understand that. Well, there's, yeah. One of the questions under, so I'm this past season, I haven't watched full disclosure of, of, of uh, Vanderpump, but watching the reaction to sort of like, I think they asked them at one point and I did not like this question at all. And it came up in a couple of the panels and it did last time as well, where it's sort of like, who do you think is like the crowd favorite? Like who's the favorite of the five? which I feel like is so to the other people who are on stage. It's like, I get, I get what we're like, I get what the show is about and everything, but it just kind of makes me cringe. And when everyone just kind of like voted for Tom and Katie was just sitting there, I felt she really held her own. And I feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm endlessly rooting for her just because I also love her as a person. And it's rare that, you know, in the, in, in the Bravo universe where there's like, people that you meet that you actually like, Oh, like I actually want to be really good friends with you. Yeah. And I think I say this about Ariana all the time. Cause I love her and I worked yes, on her, with her and Tom on the book. And I, I think sometimes she just comes across as people think she's thinking she's better than everyone. And I, I just don't think that's how she is in real life. And she's so they don't get those other sides of these people all the time. You know, you don't, you don't get, get the, the nuances. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And she's also, I think she's somebody who's really cerebral and she's a thinker. And so that's why sometimes it comes across as like when she's really listening, when someone looks at you like this, is this going to be video shown or is it just going to be audio? It's video. It's video too. Okay. Video. Great. Okay. Not just for us. Um, But when someone does this, it's like not because they're judging, but they're actually trying to like listen and they're like thinking it through. And I feel like she's that person. And that doesn't always translate to TV or the medium, the medium that we're dealing with. Do you think you look at it differently? Because with Queer Eye, you're part of an ensemble cast as well. And there's only small parts of you shown. I was listening to this interview you did with my my buddy H. Allen Scott for Newsweek. And you were talking about sort of the mental health aspect of social media. And, and you had talked about leaning into being yourself on the show because ultimately you're really not going to please everyone. I thought it was so insightful. But I wonder if you look at reality shows differently 
and and specifically the cast members on something like Vanderpump Rules because you also understand how things can be edited or how only a small part of you can be shown. Totally. I think that they're, you know, they're completely different shows with Queer Eye. They really try to show us the, you know, the Fab Five and our heroes really in the best light, except for like little self-deprecating jokes here and there. And then with, because I had a conversation with Katie about this, about how tough it is, because it's like the edits are very different. They're really looking for drama and looking for that conflict and that tension. But even that, even showing us in like our own positive light, it's like, you know, season one and two of Queer Eye, it was like the takeaways were Ant loves avocados. He cries a lot and he's obsessed with corgis. And it was like, people, I feel like, love to they get obsessed with like one thing there's only so much that we can kind of take in you don't really take in like the nuance of a person as much and, and on the show i feel like even though i i still do think seven eight seasons however many we've done at this point i still feel like i'm one of the quieter ones but that said it's like i feel like i'm definitely a lot more caffeinated and energetic on the show than i am in real life And so when people meet me in real life and I'm kind of like quietly like walking my dog with my headphones and listening to Midnight's for the 57,000th time trying to figure out which new song I relate to. What's um, your favorite right now of that? I think Great War is like such an incredible, incredible track. It's on the 3 a.m. version. Uh, Labyrinth is really beautiful as well. And just like tears at my heart. Sweet Nothings is really beautiful as well. Karma is like a fun, like it's sunny, but it's crisp out. And it gives me like a little bit of a pep in my step. What about you? I mean, I love those you mentioned. Lavender I've been, is kind of the one that's been on repeat for me. Mm-hmm. It's really but good. I also just love, I love Antihero too. I think oh, it's single. so good. It's the so amount good. of times I've watched the music video, I, I just go on YouTube on my TV at home if I'm like cooking and it literally fucking plays on repeat. And I'm not, I'm not over it yet. I don't like the music video because I love... I don't like how it stops to get the acting in. Like, I just want to hear the, the song. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so yeah. when when I'm on the treadmill and I'm doing my sprint at the end of a workout, I fast forward through the talking part because I only want to see like the visual of the actual song. I get that. I, you know, last night I just I, I discovered, I mean, I'm sure people know who she is. Grace Davies, or I think that's her name. She was like on the UK X Factor. Do you know who this is? No, no. I, I've this music video came up. You know how YouTube will show you just like the ne- it'll play a next song, and it played uh, this song called uh, "Used to You," I think it's called. And I watched the video a hundred times over and over again, and the visual was so beautiful. She also has this other beautiful song called "Roots." I guess she's uh, people know her in the UK, I guess, but I was uh-huh. obsessed with this visual. So normally I do like it, but I don't love in a music video when they stop for acting. <laughs> I just want, I get it. I get it. It's like, fine when I'm on my couch, but not when I'm like moving around or if I'm on a subway and like yeah. watching. Yeah, I get Sorry, it. I interrupted your thought about the queer eye cast. What were we talking about? Oh yeah. And just kind of like showing us in a, in a specific way. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it was, I think it was definitely tricky at first where, I would see an edit from also, first of all, I didn't know what the hell I was doing in the first two seasons because we filmed those simultaneously in Atlanta over a period of five months. And I literally would make like three dishes for every single hero. And then it would get cut down. And it was like, like in the first episode, I had like a whole whole entire lupus friendly nightshade free menu for our, our hero who had lupus. And the only thing they kept was like the guacamole, which like I'm not bitching at the editors because I really love them and they're, they're fantastic at what they do, but it was like, no, like your, your segment, it's literally a minute and 40 seconds to two and a half minutes long. Like we can't show the quesadilla. I'm sorry. With like 
the flank steak cut against the grain and how you marinated it. Like that's lovely, but it's just not going to make it. So I would kind of take it personally, but then I just kind of realized it's, it's just, and every episode is also different because it's, you know, sometimes food is more part of the storyline. And sometimes I feel like it's sort of like a, a, a B story where it's kind of secondary where it's still necessary, but it's not really the through line. Like we're not dealing with a chef or somebody at the end of the week who's preparing a meal for their entire family. So I didn't really fully get that at first. Um, but now I kind of do. And I've just, I realized it for me, it's like, I lean into what can I change? What can I not? And what can I change my perspective on? And that's just yeah. what I've tried to do is like changing my perspective on it and just accepting the fact that like, this is how I'm going to be shown. I'm not an executive producer on the show trust that they know what they're doing. And then it gives me an opportunity if I feel like there's a side of me. I don't know, there's like a weird example, but like the fact that I love art, for example, if that's not going to be shown on the show, where else in my life can mm-hmm. I do that? It's an opportunity to kind of exercise that somewhere else. We have to take a quick break here. We'll be back with much more from Anthony Porowski of Netflix's Easy Bake Battle and Queer Eye. I want to also let you know that I have a holiday podcast where I recap holiday movies with my best friend, Jenna Brister. She and I host a podcast called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast, which you can listen to wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow. We recapped the Santa Claus trilogy with Tim Allen. We also recapped the Lindsay Lohan Netflix Christmas movie, which is called Falling for Christmas. And we have lots more in store. So please check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, it's called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. And we'll be right back. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest 
with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. When you look back at that, that first season of Queer Eye and where you're at now, have you gotten a better grasp on social media? Because social media can be really tough. Specifically, I don't know if I just notice it more, but I think with gay people, I notice it's it's very tough on social media. Like any gay kind of person on television or in film, I think the gay community oftentimes can be the ones tearing our own community down in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Of course. We're, we are our own worst critics in many ways. It's, I mean, I don't know if this ties in, but it's like, I always struggle with it because Queer Eyes is a show where we open up about our own personal lives as well. That's why it's different than the first iteration, where it's definitely much more of a conversation. And that's how I like to approach my scenes, where I learn quickly, like, I can't just ask personal questions and not do the same on my end. It kind of has to be symbiotic in that sense, where it's kind of like give and take. But the more that I give, the less I have that is actually my own. And social media is kind of the same thing. Sometimes I see people who post whatever is going on in their brain and it's wildly entertaining. And other times I'm like, you should keep that for like your close friends, family, significant other, and your therapist. And like, there's no need for that to be out here right now. And so I always try to kind of like check my intentions. And it's like, I I still do consider myself a pretty private person, even though I exist in the public space now. And I've lost, um, you know, anonymity or a version of it since Queer Eye has come out. But it's still always kind of like, I have to question myself and like, check my intentions with everything that I do. Because it's like, I don't want my social media to be, you know, as much as I love Easy Bake Battle, and it was so much fun to film and posting promos about stuff like that. But I also want to balance it out with like personal stuff and like going on like hiking trips. But then I'm like, oh, no, this hiking path is like special to me. And it's like, is this something that I really want to show? Yeah. So it really, I haven't figured it out. I think it's a daily reprieve for me. I just, I just always try to constantly, and it's what my therapist tells me. It's like, check your intentions. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. The thing that I've noticed and, and, and I have a one, one hundredth version of, I'm sure what you have, but the thing that I struggle with is like, I, I want to share personal life too, but I also, the thing that makes me most livid on social media is like, I can handle if you say something about me, but I don't want, if, if the minute I see anything negative about someone I love, a friend, a family member or something, because I think on social media, you could post something so innocuous, like a a family birthday party or something, right. a photo of you with a niece or a nephew. And, and there will always be one person to say something nasty. And it's like, you could say something nasty about me, but I get, I like can't handle it. And, and so I, it makes me just want to retreat and not post anything of anyone I love. Cause I'm like, I, I will lose it. Yeah, I get that. And that's tricky for me too, because what queer I taught me, what the show has taught me and what the, what the fan response has taught me is that there's a lot of positive reinforcement for when I'm open and vulnerable and real. But if I do that too much, then I know I said this before, but it's like, then it's no longer just my own anymore. And I've gotten a lot better at dealing with, you know, negative comments directed towards me. I'm able to like take the good with the bad. 
my solution is basically just not looking at it because yeah. if I like wake up in the wrong mood or I'm a little more sensitive and it's like a gray day outside, then like one bad comment is going to like make me spiral. But if anybody, thankfully, like with my partner, he's, he has a really good sense of humor and a good head on his shoulders. And so I don't, I, but I, I, not that I see any really negative comments that are like directed towards him, but that's something that would definitely trigger me. Like if you come yeah. after my family or like my friends or even my dog, and then it's like, I'll lose my shit right. completely. I'm a lot more protective over them than I am of my, over myself. Don't come after the family in the words of Caroline. Manzo. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, there is something to be said. Literally about- heard her say that. <laughs> I heard her say that yesterday after she had the sit down with Danielle in the restaurant. When the she season ended. Her, uh, garbage. Season two. Oh. She called her garbage and Danielle, I think called her a Twice. clown or something. Yes. Yes. So good. Yes. So good. So good. But wow, it's true. It's you like- remember that. I know. Um, it's sad. It's sad, but I, it is who I am. I, yeah. And there is something to be said though. I just, to reiterate the point, I think it is important for being able to see representation, seeing someone uh, like yourself, who's such a public figure in a gay relationship. I kind of think how amazing that is. Cause when I was growing up, I didn't have that. There was no place to see two gay men, um, you know, outside of will and grace on Thursday nights or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was maybe Tuesday nights, but yeah, it, so it's a challenging. Um, okay. You're switching gears. I want to talk about easy big battle. And specifically I watched the holiday episode last night. I'm a holiday junkie. There's a whole episode kind of centered around the holidays. And I wanted to get some Thanksgiving tips for you because you are a food expert. Um, Ooh. so tell me about your Thanksgiving specifically. I'm going to ask you these questions. What's what stuffing is stuffing to you? Okay. Or dressing. So it, it's funny that you should, I mean, it's very timely because Thanksgiving is upon us. I love how obsessed Americans are with Thanksgiving food. I think it's like the fact that there are like all these different animals. I first, I didn't even know that like some American families put like a baked ham on their table, like growing up in Canada, first of all, Thanksgiving was a month ago and it was like, you get turkey, that's your protein. That's it. That's all. Um, it's your only option. And I feel like there's so many more here. I was just in touch with my partner's mom because we're like figuring out what to do over Thanksgiving holiday, even though we're still not sure where we're going to be doing it yet. But I kind of wanted to help as much as I can. And my go-to with this is kind of like, I always want to take over and I want to make everything. But I realize that's like disrespectful to whoever's going to end up hosting us. Um, But I'm most comfortable in the kitchen. And so I'm like still figuring out my side dishes. But on the question of stuffing, my mother actually made the greatest stuffing ever growing up. And it had raisins. Um, there was uh, stale sourdough bread. And she would use all the gizzards from inside the bag of the turkey, which is like what real stuffing is supposed to have. But a lot of people flip out when you tell them what's actually in it. But when I moved to the States, and I forget when it was when I tried it the first time and I had cornbread stuffing. I'm obsessed. Corn is yeah. like my favorite starch. When it's fresh in the summer, I have it raw in a salad. I take the husks. I make a chowder for the winter. Like it's just, it's sweet. It's delicious. It's golden. It's so great. And cornbread is like my very favorite thing. And I love that Americans play with a lot of sweet and salty over it. And so cornbread stuffing is definitely the way to go for me with a shit ton of sage. And you got to fry those sage leaves so that they're really nice and crispy. Oh, that's what does it for me. My boyfriend was raised with cornbread. So we always have to do his cornbread stuffing. And Mm -hmm. then my mom, Linda Pellegrino, she raised me to just do a very traditional, it's sort of a basic recipe, but it's the one that we let, it's just literally white bread 
and lots of butter, uh, your celery and onions, but there's no carrots. There's no raisins. There's your seasonings, Mm. but we don't put I've been places where there's mushrooms, there's raisins. And to me, that's blasphemous because I just like the basic dressing that's yeah. mushy. It, we don't use oh, so, the, uh, that's what I was going to ask you. You like it mushier. Mushy. It like, yeah, I do too. It, yeah. Like, bre- yeah. like a bread pudding kind of consistency. Yeah. It's like a mama bird already pre-chewed it for me before mm-hmm. I'm putting it in my mouth. Mm-hmm. That's how I like it with like a crisp edge situation with little knobs of butter for like the last eight minutes of baking. It's, you know, this year for Thanksgiving, my parents are coming to Los Angeles. They live in Ohio, but I, I wanted to save some time. So I'm going to order the turkey and then we're going to cook all the sides. But I've cooked the turkey before and I feel like it's kind of hard to fuck it up and it's not too hard, but it's time consuming. But I wonder what are like some time saving tips you might have. And one of the things I love about Easy Big Battle on Netflix is that you have these hacks throughout the episodes, which are really insightful. But are there any Thanksgiving hacks for people who maybe want to save time or should if somebody wanted to order something from a a grocery store or a restaurant that's pre-cooked, should they go with the turkey or should they order the sides or vice versa? Like what are some hacks? Sure. I mean, it depends on what kind of person you are and I'll speak for myself. So I am not a baker. I don't have the patience for it. I love the direct manipulation in front of the heat on my range and cooking like savory dishes. And so desserts, I always reach out. I'm going to give a shout out, not an endorsement. I really love what they do. Bread's Bakery in New York. They're one of the only ones who like actually make croissants on the island of Manhattan and not like somewhere else and then ship them. But they do incredible desserts. They have gluten-free options as well because that's like definitely a thing to consider now. So desserts, I always like to have handled. It just makes it so much easier for me. And it's like one less thing to worry about. And it's an awesome bakery that I just love to support. With turkeys, I've really gone... I think Ted Allen taught me this. I was his personal assistant for a while. And he's the OG food and wine expert on Queer Eye in the first iteration of the show. And I think he he might have taught me this, but um, the, the the idea of like a deconstructed or a spatchcock version of dealing with a turkey, I actually disagree with you. I think a lot of people screw up a turkey because they, they way overcook it and it just mm. becomes way too dry. Right. And so buying either just the breast meat and roasting those, but you have to wrap it with some kind of like a fat because otherwise it's just way too lean. Um, Though that takes about what 45 to 50 minutes as opposed to four or five hours. And I know a lot of people prefer white meat over dark meat. I personally prefer dark meat. Um, having it at like basically deconstructed into smaller pieces makes it so much easier and saves you a shit ton of time. Um, and then it's more of like how things present and the quality of the food, but salads, I'm very, um, I'm on a salad kick right now because bitter greens are back up in the market and nothing makes me more excited than like a Treviso or Radicchio or like a Belgian endive situation. I love my bitter greens. We don't Those eat greens are all... for Thanksgiving in the Pelican No house. greens. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. We maybe have um, like a green bean casserole with the, with the onion, the fried onions. So you on go top. <laughs> like full, all of it is like full heavy. My sister-in-law, um, Samantha and Taryn, they usually will make one salad, but I, I don't go for this. I'm not interested in that. I'm oh, loading see, up I with love, everything else. Oh, with like fresh citrus with the bitter and, the, and maybe some like pistachios in there or something. Anyway, for whoever's I mean, listening that does want to <laughs> make a salad, what's nice with all the greens that I mentioned, including kale, they hold really well. If you're using something really delicate, like um, a spinach or an arugula, it's not going to sit for a really long time until it gets like really mushy and gross. So try to go for something firmer or even go cheap and cheerful and use an iceberg, iceberg lettuce. So underappreciated, crunchy, hydrating, delicious. Um, 
My one hack thing, which is based on nostalgia, I was obsessed with anything that was like American and quick growing up. And I've like cranberry sauce, it's fine, but I feel like it's way too time consuming. Nothing makes me happier than ocean spray out of the can, slice thick. I think Allison Roman a, a couple of years ago did something for the Times where she posted um, just Supremes of Citrus with like um, soaked red onion for like that nice crunch and just big slices of that jelly and that nothing makes me happier. And those slices are perfect to add to your sandwich for the leftover the next day because that's what matters most for me. It's not Thanksgiving. It's the next day. Yeah, that was always we used to do like the Black Friday shopping after Thanksgiving. And it was always so much fun to come home from that and eat the Uh, leftovers because that was always. Wait, but so I was just going to ask you about um, because you you're known for all this food stuff, but. And I guess you answered the question with the cranberry sauce, but I was going to ask you, is there like a gross American dish that you love? <laughs> like, a, like, you a know, gross. like a gross kind of casserole. Like I, I'm from Ohio and we eat a lot of like, it's like casseroles and it's stuff with Velveeta in it. It's like, you know. I mean, green beans with Velveeta, I don't think would be terrible because I didn't like vegetables as a kid and I was always the last one sitting at the table. And cheese whiz was the way to get to my heart. My parents would just slather it onto anything. I do love cheese whiz and broccoli. Love, especially when it's melted and warm. And I would just put it in the microwave and it crisps up along the edges. And then you just like dip the floor right in. Delicious. Um, I was at a Thanksgiving once, I forget where, but they had mac and cheese, which I thought like, oh my gosh, like my number one guilty pleasure food is a baked mac and cheese with a shit ton of very sharp Vermont cheddar and Gruyere and Parm. And then maybe either like a mozzarella or like a provolone or a fontina, just something to add a bit of that pull. We do the um, Patty, Patty LaBelle's mac and cheese recipe and it's fantastic. And it well, includes Velveeta. It's like every different type of cheese, Munster. Uh, there's some mozzarella, I believe in it. I don't, remember exactly i have it written down but pat people can look it up patty labelle's and there is a you have to put velveeta oh it's so necessary yeah. i mean is it like it's terrifying to look at this like brick of orangeness that doesn't I have know. the texture of any natural cheese but my one suggestion for making a good mac and cheese is don't forget to include at least one sharp cheese either an extra sharp new york cheddar or a vermont cheddar or um, Gruyere is really nice as well, and nutty and sweet, or even Parmesan. You need to yeah. have that because otherwise it's just too, it's, it's too mellow. What do you make of all these boards happening right now? Like the, um, the offshoots of the charcuteries? Oh, the butter board? Like they're doing too much of all these boards. But now I've seen, I've seen an ice cream board. I've seen, as somebody was making fun of it, I saw a post of somebody did a soup board as like a joke because people are getting carried away with all these boards. Where do you stand on the board work? Anthony. We get so obsessed with it. I'm I'm old school. This is where like I'm I love a classic cheese and charcuterie. If there's no fresh fruit, you can get some like beautiful dried figs and apricots and even cranberries. I like like traditional old school. We had every Friday night, we had a tradition in my house. My parents would watch 2020 with Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters, and we would watch TGIF, and dinner was a cheese and charcuterie board. And that was my favorite. And I, I just, I, I like to go more classic, get some good charcuterie. Don't get the pre-sliced shit, have it done at like the deli. It tastes so much better. Buy a nice unpasteurized cheese. If you can find it, get some pistachio butter in there. Different nut butters are really good to spread on some like firmer cheeses and like a nice, beautiful loaf of like a good crusty golden baguette. And it's like, that's, that's the way to my heart. You're making me hungry. Uh, 
Okay, switching gears really quickly. I, you've been doing a lot of acting, and I texted you about this, but I got a ch- and I might get in trouble for this, but I got a chance to see that movie. Spoiler alert! Uh, that yeah. you, have a, you have a role in it, and it's coming out in December. I don't know what the date is, but I believe it's, it's December tenth. But might want to fact check that. It's so beautiful. It's based on this fantastic book by Michael Osiello, and you have a small role in it. But I, I, what, what do you want to do next? Do you want to just keep doing it all? And and what can you tell us about that movie? I thought it was great because I love a weepy movie, like a Terms of Endearment kind of thing mm-hmm. that I don't think they do much anymore. And spoiler alert, this isn't spoiling much because it's based on a book, but it's a weepy movie. And I cried yeah. throughout the whole thing, and it feels so therapeutic sometimes to get that. But... um Totally. I mean, it gave me, I got excited about the project when I first read about it because it reminded me of Stepmom, which was such an important film to me growing up. Anthony, Um, that monologue that they do in Stepmom when Julie uh, Roberts says, you know, I used to have that memorized. It's like, I looked down to the road to her wedding day. You know, that whole... I'm going to have to go watch it after this. uh, That scene to me. And and she says, and my worry is she won't, uh, she'll be thinking, I wish my mom were here. And then Susan Sarandon says, and mine is, she won't. Uh. (laughs) it's so good but it was yeah it was an incredible film obviously i don't want to say too much about it because i want people to go out and uh and watch it i think it's going to be theatrically released and um hopefully probably on a streamer as are most films but again i'm not sure i'm just saying that based on what i think i know which is not much um but it, it definitely is. Look, I moved to New York originally after I got my psych degree. I always wanted to be an actor. And I studied at the Neighborhood Playhouse and, you know, was auditioning for things while I was waiting tables for 10 plus years. And it's still something that's really important to me. Um, there's a rom-com that I'm working on with Kenya Barris um, called Girls and Boys that I'm doing with Netflix as well. I don't see it as one or the other. It's just it kind of uses different parts of my brain and my heart. And it's something that I'm still... I'm curious to see whether it's like, I, I, I like being, I'm terrified a lot in life, but I also get off on fear and I don't know if I'm a good actor and I want to kind of see if I can exist in that space, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just curious about it. Like Queer Eye is, is, is really lovely and it's something that has completely changed my life and has opened up so many doors, but there are other things that I want to try out as well. It's like, I can't, I'm, I'm too ADD to just focus on one thing and, and have, one singular passion and as important as food is to me, you know, acting and, 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 and producing content is something that I definitely want to get more into. What do you, this might be a bigger question and I'm, I'm going to let you go here, but what do you want your legacy to be? Or what do you, when people look at your, your work, whether it be on Queer Eye or Easy Big Battle or, or the acting side of things, like what do you, does that make sense? Like, what do you want people to take away of like an Anthony thing? Is that stupid? That's not stupid at all because it just it kind of made me speechless because I think I, in in many ways I'm still trying to figure that out. It just made me think I was watching um, Selena Gomez's documentary. So good. Um, I didn't know very much about her, and it just like it like I was winded a couple of times from crying once on a plane and once yesterday afternoon when I was watching it. And they were asking her, and she was just trying to figure that out. And I'm not comparing myself to her in any way, shape, or form as this like mega international beloved pop star. Which, by the but, way, not to interrupt you, but Selena Gomez, I met her at, I was having dinner with Katie Maloney at Tom Tom, and Selena Gomez was there. And Kelly Clarkson was also there. And I got to meet Selena, and Selena's a what? big Vanderpump Rules fan. Uh, and Katie's mom, Katie's mom, Terry, who we love, she, 
she made Selena take photos with us. And so I have this photo with Selena. Terry Millennium was like, Danny, take a photo with Selena. You know, like she was so funny. But, um, Love it. Yeah, she's like a no, big Vanderpump Rules fan. But they were asking, you know, they were asking her. And um, I, I believe, was it Kenya that she went to in the documentary? I think I might so. be mistaken yeah. by the country, but I think it was in just kind of um, in helping like on the education front. And it's, I don't know, I think I'm still trying to figure out, I mean, you know, LGBTQIA plus rights are something that are really important to me, especially being Polish, where if you're Polish right now and queer, it's like literally the worst country to live in if you're in the European Union. So that's something I'm definitely passionate about um, uh, in terms of uh, uh, not uh, food insecurity for people who can't afford it. I think I'm still trying to kind of figure out what that is, because it's like when I look at it, you know, I love all of the work that I do, but I do ask myself and this comes up in therapy and it's like, what's the, what's the point of it all? Like, why am I doing all of this? Like, yes, it's fulfilling to me and I get to make money and I get to do different projects and stay creative and feel fulfilled to a certain extent, but it's like, what's the greater purpose? And I still think I want to figure that out. I do know that Queer Eye, as much as it's changed my life, I kind of want to be remembered. And I was telling my partner about this the other day when I was trying to think of like goals that I have for the next year, because I start thinking about those in November usually and different projects that I want to do. And I was like, it would be really cool if I did some kind of a project or did something where they were like, oh, wow, like he really, like he really put all of it into that. And that's pretty cool. Like, oh my gosh, also he used to be on Queer Eye. Like that would be a really cool narrative to have because I feel like the show itself made such a big splash that it would be fun to figure out like what my singular voice is. And that's what I try to play with, whether it's small parts in acting in films or producing something or um, executive producing and, and, and hosting Easy Bake. So I, I'm, I'm still kind of on that journey. I don't really, I don't have that crystal ball, but I, I'm, I'm more of like a trial and error and kind of like see what sticks along the way. Well, I think it's so important nowadays to also have these outlets that bring people joy. And, and that's what I like about a show like Easy Bake Battle is not to bring it back and do the plug, but we got to do the plug. Um, <laughs> I think there's something about the simplicity of, of these, all these cooking shows. And I think over the past couple of years, I find myself more attracted to content that can just be a little silly. I've been rewatching Alf before bed and it's like, I just kind of <laughs> crave silly. Like I just crave yeah. uh, just stuff to bring us joy. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made 
for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Okay, I'm going to let you go. The last two questions I ask all of my guests are, if you were choosing for People Magazine Sexiest Man Alive and you can't choose your partner, who's very hot, but who would you choose? And then also your favorite Mariah Carey song. Oh, Um, I'll start with Mariah Carey. Is it Always Be My Baby? Because I remember that that's the one where the music video starts and she's on the swing, right? In the Camp Mariah, yeah. Yeah. I think it was like eighth grade for me and I was dating Judy Karam and that was one of our songs and another one was Shania Twain. And then for Sexiest Man Alive. Okay. So this is where I get a little nerdy. Um, I've been obsessed with him. I think he's a brilliant actor and just so charming and charismatic. I'm a big Star Wars fan. And Andor came out on Disney+. And I think, personally, it's the best Star Wars series yet. And I heard that he peed it. Um, Diego Luna, he was in Itu Mama Tambien, um, a great Almodovar film that should be mandatory viewing for everybody. And I think he just, like, really brings the... He, he just brings it to Andor. And yeah. he just, like, completely won me over all over again. And he's always been sexy. Always. Always. Uh, Anthony, everyone, I want to encourage you all to check out your show on Netflix, Easy Bake Battle. Check out Queer Eye. Anything else you want to plug? Your cookbooks are amazing. Everything. Uh, Thank else? you. I'm just happy to do this because we've been messaging each other for how long, and I've, know. you know, heard you on. Uh, uh, wait, when was the last time you were on Bitch Sesh? I mean, it was a while ago. It was, but yeah, I love. We love the Bitch Sesh. We we have yeah. we've been talking. We need to do another crossover soon. You should. You should. Yeah. I like you with those girls. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love them. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time. What a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you, Danny. 